The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome, I am your host, Emigan Awardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guest in this episode of the podcast is Emmy Award-winning makeup artist David Petrucian, aka Raven. Now, I first encountered Raven when he was a contestant on season two of RuPaul's Drag Race. I wanted him to win. Oh man, I wanted Raven to win. Spoiler alert, he did not. But you could feel Raven's raw ambition through the screen. And that's why I wanted him to win. And his skill and his talent for makeup, or actually, I would say it's better described as facial transformation, was so clear and evident even then. When I say skill, I mean skill. And when I say talent, oh my goodness, it was just talent for days on the screen. And I'd always been really curious about what Raven did with all those ambitious feelings, all those ambitions, having lost out on the title and where he then went on to point his energies and steer his career. I'm sure you can remember a time when you just felt that feeling bubbling up inside you of knowing that you're capable of something and just needing an opportunity or a chance to show what you can do. And so I'd always wondered, I wonder what happened next for Raven? Was not being America's next drag superstar back in the day something that derailed him or gave him a new purpose? Did it light a fire under him to ask important questions like, what do I really want? Where am I actually going and where do I want to be? Well, fast forward 10 years and Raven is one of the most successful makeup artists working today. And I emphasize art when I talk about Raven being a makeup artist. Like I said, the talent is scorching hot. And for me, Raven is up there with Kevin O'Quan, Troy Surratt, James Caliardos, Sam and Nick Chapman, Charlotte Tilbury, Lisa Eldridge and Mally Roncal. And testament to how incredible an artist he is, RuPaul, the iconic RuPaul supermodel of the world, thank you very much, asked him to be his personal makeup artist, traveling with him around the world for TV shows, personal appearances, and much more. And now Raven is passing on the torch, so to speak, with the series Painted with Raven on WOW Presents, where he'll mentor up-and-coming makeup artists during the show. And so during our conversation, which was a video call via... Um, via video, which is a video call from David's closet floor in LA because he was moving and packing up lots of bits. So the sound isn't as crisp as you may be used to on the show, but we discuss self-belief and what to do when you know you're capable, but the world might not be telling you otherwise. How to really embrace who you are and not minimize yourself for other people's sensitivities and sensibilities. How he leaned into his own niche and didn't copy other people what it's like to be given an incredible opportunity and how to embrace it and enjoy it and not mess it up. And Raven also shares his inspirations, who he looks up to, is inspired by, and why this is just the beginning. I had an absolute ball chatting to David. I love Raven. I've always loved Raven. And it was such an honor and a pleasure to actually get to meet David and learn his story, what's happened since uh, Drag Race, uh, everything that's happened because it's such an incredible story and it really does go to show if you it's a it's a story of self-belief my friends it's a story of quietening the internal saboteur and just knowing who you are and moving forward with purpose and that's what I really really liked about my time that I got to spend with Raven so uh, all the links to Raven the tv show everything that we discuss will of course be in the show notes but please do join me in welcoming David Petrucian aka Raven onto the Emma Gunn show Welcome to the podcast, David Petrucian, aka Raven. How are you? Hi, Emma. I'm wonderful. How are you? 
Emma Guns. We just guns. Thought we we spoke about this earlier. It's just guns. Emma Guns. Just guns. Guns and Raven. We need to make that happen. Ooh, that actually sounds like a kind of a fierce uh, cocktail. Something you would go up and say, "Oh, give me a Guns and Raven." Ooh. And I <laughs> and bet you <laughs> get you knackered. <laughs> and order the taxi while you're pouring. Basically. Yes, please. <laughs> I hear you. So you are an Emmy-winning makeup artist. Many of my listeners may recognize you or know you from having been a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race season two and All-Star season one. But you are now uh, one of the biggest names in makeup. I am? An artistry, yeah. Wow, I, I didn't realize that. You know, I um, when I started doing drag, it was always about the makeup for me. That was what got me into uh, loving makeup because even as a child, I loved makeup. But as I got further into the drag race section of my life, which was, you know, post 2010 after the show aired, I had friends who said, who told me, have you realized what you kind of your indelible mark you've left in the drag world? Like people are painting like you. And I, I didn't see it at first until social media kind of took uh, off really within the next couple of years. And I was getting auto tagged in other people's photos because they had painted themselves like me. And then I go, Oh, okay. I can kind of see that, but I think there's so many talented artists out there. It's kind of uh, an honor to be said that I'm considered one of the top or the, the, you know, the people out there in the, in the, when people mention names, that's, well, thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. So take me back. You just talked about pre-drag race. So what was life? I mean, was this when you were Phoenix? This was I was Phoenix, yes. Oh my gosh, you know too much. You know too much, Emma Gunn. Uh, no, this was, yeah, I, when I, before I got into drag, I always wanted to, um, I always wanted to get into drag and I always mm-hmm. kind of, pushed it and I would you know I would wear a smoky eye when I go out or a lip gloss and use a little bronzer and do a little you know cutting of my cheekbone but uh there was always this stigma with being a drag queen and people there was the gay community and the straight community who at the time you didn't really fit in except for with other drag queens you would be looked at by um you know either side gay or straight community as you know, weird, gross, why are you doing that? Do you want to be a woman? Like all of these things that people don't understand. It's just, uh, there are women, trans women, who honestly have, they, they use it as kind of like a way to prepare people for saying, hey, this is who I am. This is how I want to live. And then there are men who say, I, I just love a little bit of both. Why can't I have both? And, uh, I, I wish, and I feel now there is a, a, a it's a little easier for people to digest mm-hmm. and people to say, hey, okay, we accept it. Uh, but I started, I guess, doing that little bit of smokiness or, or club kid and do going out and go-go dancing was my way, my like gateway into doing drag. And then finally say, oh no, I want to do drag. And by the time I started, I kind of said, you know, screw you. If you don't accept it or like it, I don't care. If I, you know, if you're going to laugh at me in the corner of the club and go, ew, he's a drag queen. I didn't care. It was, uh, it, I was told by a lot of my friends who are drag queens, don't ever expect to have a boyfriend. Don't ever expect to have anyone want, you know, all of these things that I thought would mean more to me. And then I realized, eh, who cares? So yeah, it was, it was my, my love for drag started in high school when I, when I started seeing people like RuPaul, when I started getting, you know, introduced to Divine and I started seeing all of these different, you know, people putting this on and looking glamorous and not being uh, a joke or the, uh, you know, whenever you would see a television show or you would watch a movie, the drag queen in the movie was always you could see their five o'clock shadow. They're, they, they were, it, they, it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't a beautiful uh, take on the art of drag. So I really started to look at it when I was in high school. And then 
when I got out of high school, I really wanted to start doing it. But it was that, let me put it on, live for myself in my bathroom and then take it off. And it was not, it wasn't cute. It was, it wasn't, uh, it was really harsh. I didn't have anything like worked out or fine tuned until much. I'm still working on it. I, I still look at myself and go, oh, I can work on that or let's try this. So I, I think I'm still a work in process in progress when you when you think back about the early days i i kind of look at early seasons of drag race perhaps and the stories that the queens would tell about being who they really were they would be quite sad and sometimes really quite difficult to listen to when you think about all the prejudice or difficulties that they face and you kind of fast forward not that long really and it seems like the journey is like all the friction that previously people had experienced it's eased it's eased the way so did you ever did you ever come up against it in terms of being who who you really truly were like cutting that cheekbone in or doing a smoky eye did you know doing that that you were inviting comment oh yes I did I was very aware of um the fact that when you do things like that you're looked at by other demographics or other groups of people as uh it, it whenever it's something that goes against the grain or against society or against the norm you get a majority of people who will look at you and think what are you doing why are you doing that why would you want to do that and why would you want to invite criticism mm -hmm. and then you you say i'm not hurting anyone i'm not doing anything to anyone i didn't come over i didn't walk up to you and, and put myself into your stratosphere, your life, your uh, whatever you're doing and tell you, oh, you need to accept this. Just let me go do my thing. And it's makeup. And I think people lose sight on that, that this is something you just, you put on, you enjoy, you wash off. And, uh, I, you know, I look at the beginning, the, the very early humble beginnings of RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, seasons one, two, three, where it was still this very niche show where only a certain type of people watched it. And uh, it wasn't as, as widely watched and appreciated as it is now. And there are still people, I mean, I remember Sonique. I remember Sonique back then who just won RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star Six. And I remember when she was there I, I could tell she wasn't being herself. I could tell she wasn't being exactly who she was. And she was kind of stifling who she was and not letting herself be seen in her entirety. So when she came back on the reunion and had said that she was a trans woman, you could see after she had done it, this relief that left her body. I said it, I put it out there and not just for family or friends, but the world. And once she started to live her life as, as herself, as Kylie, you could just see this, she blossomed. I mean, she came back and she won Drag Race. She is, it's, it just goes to show when you are being yourself and you're not hurting anyone else, life just, the red carpet rolls out and all of the opportunities are there for you. And you just got to focus on your goal, the things you're doing and you know, uh, it's, it's, it, it's just, it's wonderful to see people uh, find themselves. Which brings us neatly, actually, into what I saw as a viewer when I watched you in season two. I saw somebody who had really worked hard on their craft, knew in their soul that they were good at what they did and was <laughs> ambitious. Yeah. But was young. Yes. Uh, well, I was 30 at the time we filmed that. I started doing drag when I was 22, 20, 22, 23. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm losing sight and track. Uh, I was about 20, I want to say I, was 20, I started in 2002. So that would be, uh, I was 23. And um, by the time I got to Drag Race, I had already busted my butt weekly, you know, hosting a couple of shows, appearing in my friend's shows. And always trying to make sure I didn't repeat anything or that things were fresh and things were new and things were different. And I also, you know, always tried to make sure 
little little subtleties were added to my look as far as maybe an earring that would go so well with it or or jewelry shoes so by the time i got to drag race i had been doing drag for eight years that i figured i'm in a room with people who do this like i do weekly so i really need to make sure i'm on on my game Mm -hmm. and there were times i i i i there are uh, you know, scenes that pop up on social media that are sent to me of things that I said, things that I did, things that I was. And it, you know, you're you're put in this fishbowl with uh, uh, it was eleven other other fish, no pun intended, <laughs> but from <laughs> uh, you know other parts of the country who are doing what you do. So you're you're constantly trying to one up them and and outshine them and get to the top and win. So there are things that I said that out of, you know, spite, jealousy, um, now I'm sounding like Rizzo. From you, Greece, but... I was about to say it's Rizzo. <laughs> but I, <laughs> where, where you, and, but it's true. You start to say and do things that you look back and go, gosh, what a, what an asshole. I, I can't believe that I did that, but I've always been ambitious and I've always been someone who um, looked at what I did as putting all of my heart and soul into it that when it wasn't being recognized you kind of put your claws out and go hey wait what what about what look over here uh but yes I was very ambitious I I still am very ambitious but I did also think hey uh, do you have you been to my show have you seen what I do have you seen that you know and when you get there you you only bring so much with you and Mm -hmm. that back then when it came to getting things for drag as I sit in my drag room and look around at the things that I've gotten. I think, wow, we didn't have Amazon. We didn't have uh, uh, all of these different wig makers and jewelry makers and people who do costumes and shoes in your size. You had to kind of go to the, you know, the Santee Alley in LA, or you had to go to the indoor swap meets or try and find things or get things made. And you, uh, you get there and go, wow, I, shoot, I wish I would have brought this because you see a queen who has something that completes their look or does something in a way that makes you think, damn, if I would have only had this pair of shoes from my house. So it's, it's funny looking back on it and seeing where it is now, how someone can show up to drag race with their allotted amount of, of uh, luggage and have everything they need where we yeah, were you- stuffing random <laughs> random casual separates in there to try and make something work drag on a dime let's not forget was that not the first challenge in season one uh-huh or the and dumpster drag it was uh yeah it was pretty much it was so they, they try to take you know things from uh like salvation army or like a boot sale that you guys mm-hmm. and then put them in to uh you know back to use repurpose mm-hmm. them so but I don't think ambition is a bad thing. But I said to you before we started recording, listeners, I was saying that I really saw a kindred spirit in Raven watching you because I felt when I was younger than I am now, I was like, well, I'm ready for it. I'm so ready for it. And I'm doing all the work. I'm doing everything. And it's not being recognized. And it's only as I've got older and things begin to happen, you're like, yeah, I just had to, I had to wait out a few more years. Mm-hmm. So did you, I wondered how you, how you took the blow of not winning, coming so close, because actually your story is fantastic because it's tantric, isn't it? Like you kind of won a much bigger prize. Were you, how were you able to kind of absorb that and still move forward and not be knocked by it? When it, when it happened, it was like, Oh no. (laughs) And then then a couple of years later, it happened again. (laughs) So happened twice which is funny if you look back at it and go wow you uh you came to the finish line and they said you're not going to cross it and it mm-hmm. it was very very difficult uh, the the first one was more difficult the second one uh not so much because you're kind of prepared for it you're like hey i've done this before so this time hey it doesn't sting as bad it was hard and to be to to uh be someone who walks out of a competition not winning 
and it being your heart and soul, of course you feel robbed. Of course you walk away and go, wow, I can't believe that I didn't, why I should have won. But it's that, that it doesn't matter who was standing there and took the crown. I would have felt that way regardless. And I think anyone who goes into a competition with the idea of winning on their mind and not winning would end up feeling that way. And so it was crushing, but then to, to, you know, the next year I was called to come in and be on drag you and be, you know, a professor on drag you. And then there, I would say, I was just talking about this yesterday, how I've kind of been asked to come back and do something in some, uh, you know, field or regard as far as, as RuPaul's Drag Race goes, where it was like, be a zombie in the first episode of season four. Uh, come and do Snatch Game for All Stars 2. So I always felt like I was uh, part of the family. And then to be called and asked, to do Rue's makeup was like, I, I still think, and I remember the day, I remember what I was wearing. I remember where we were. We were in the drive-thru at Starbucks down the street from my house uh, on our way to the DMV to get my driver's license renewed. And the phone rang and I, and I remember saying, no, I can't, I can't, I don't, I, it wasn't that I couldn't do it. It was I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to step into the, that room. I didn't want to see the under workings of everything. I just want to see the beauty that is through, and that's it. And I remember them calling me back, and they were like, "We really, really need you." And uh, I hung up the phone, and I remember. And I still get emotional when I think about it. I remember looking at my boyfriend and I was like, uh, they want me to do Rue's makeup. Rue wants me to do his makeup. And uh, he was like, what? (laughs) And I said, yeah. And so I said, I I need to get my stuff together. I've got to do this. And I, so I went and I put, I got everything I could together. I went and bought all of this, you know, makeup, and they said, you know, we have a lot here. We've got things that uh, we like to use, but, you know, bring your stuff. And I remember walking in the first day and thinking, not knowing what I was walking into. And then Rue got there and was like, hey, you want coffee? Let's get, let's, what's for breakfast? And it was just this chill environment where he made me feel like you're not working for me. We're working together. Let's make this happen. And I always look back at that first time and go, gosh, I wish I would have done a better job. But I was painting an idol. I was painting um, someone who I had grown up watching that I was, I couldn't believe I was sitting in their dressing room working with them. So it was very hard for me to try and grasp that idea. And he goes, just, it's fine. Just do what you do. <laughs> and I didn't do a great job, but. I, you know, and he, and he, we laughed about it. We laughed about where the eyebrows were. We laughed about everything about it. But he, uh, you know, the next season he called me back and said, okay, we're doing this again. And now it's like, we're not only doing a regular season, we're now always doing an all-star season. We're going to be going down under, we're going to the UK. We're doing like, we are doing all of these things that I said, oh my gosh. And so right when I started working with him, everything took off and I kind of put my drag on the back burner because this is my passion. I, I, I love both. And now I get to do makeup on the most famous drag queen in the world. Yes, please. I'll do it. So when I get to get in drag, I enjoy it more so now because, you know, when you start to do something a, a lot not that it becomes mundane it just becomes your job and you go mm-hmm. oh, okay I'm, i've you know and things start to become repetitive things start to become uh i don't want to say com- you become complacent but you kind of know oh okay well i'm gonna go out there and do this so when i get to get in drag now it's exciting for me whereas before it was like oh just another day at the office another day at the office but i do feel that you know what was it it was five five, six years later 
I got, you know, a, you know, my crown and scepter, I guess you could say. Exactly. And that validation that you were really talented, you are really talented. And also hearing you get emotional about doing Rue's makeup. I can't even imagine what that's like because it's like when I look at Madonna, I've seen Madonna's face more than I've seen probably members of my family. She is so recognizable to me. And I distinctly remember the first time I saw RuPaul MTV Music Awards and just thinking that's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Yeah. And to continue that legacy, it's crazy. Yeah, I remember the very first time I saw Ru, it was an interview. I, I, don't, I cannot remember what show it was. I remember this, it was late at night because, you know, it was still, it was a drag queen. So yes. you, they had to put him in where they could. Mm-hmm. And being interviewed on this chair. And I remember thinking, that is a tall person. That is a very tall person. I remember not thinking large because large you think of, you know, uh, uh, some, I just remember thinking there's this tall person that is not fitting in that chair. And why- Was she showing leg? What's that? Was she showing leg? Because yes. of those legs. <laughs> yes. She, it, her legs were out. They were bare. She was wearing a very short dress. She had her hair in these like cone shaped um, things. It looked like the cover of the Supermodel of the World album. And I remember yeah. interviewed and I think and I was thinking to myself, this is gorgeous. This is beautiful. This is like immaculate. Look at look at all of this. And then slowly I started to see more of RuPaul and I saw the Viva Glam ads and I saw the music videos and I saw him in, you know, photos, magazines. And uh, there w- then, then I find when I saw Tu Wong Fu and he came down, like, I mean, of course, I was an, a, a drag queen living inside this young kid who was like, uh, you know, I have to go see Tu Wong Fu. And I remember when he came down, I was like, oh, of course, RuPaul is in there. And then when you go back, you also see Candace Kane, you see Lady Bunny, you see, um, you know, Joey Airy, like, like everyone who was of the, like, kind of, there weren't very many drag queens back then, but all of them got into that movie, Coco Peru. They all got in that movie and it was like uh, just a, a, a big bowl of delicious drag soup where you were just looking at it going, look at all of this. It's just so beautiful. And so I remember when seeing RuPaul come down and, um, you know, of course he was, and he, his name was Ray, Rachel Tension. Like, he, like it was, it was in the movie, it was a joke on racial tension. And he was wearing that Confederate flag dress. It's like, you know, it's a drag queen, a black drag queen in a Confederate flag dress. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was just like, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> and the people who put this movie together are crazy. And I remember thinking, I want to do that, not to do, you know, anything that anyone was doing. I just wanted to do drag. I wanted to uh, be in that. And I remember Rue being the one who kind of said, it's okay, you can do this. You can, you can uh, be a drag queen. Because it was shocking. It pushed, it pushed boundaries. And it was like you say, you know, a black drag queen wearing Confederate flag dress called essentially racial tension. I mean, it's poking fun at pretty serious issues, but now we've got to this point where we are today where, I mean, drag race, especially, I mean, it's so mainstream. Yeah. And it's, it's gone from being this little tiny show on a little tiny network that got people to like pay attention. And then it moved up and up and up where now everyone knows of RuPaul's Drag Race. Everyone knows of, you know, the, the, the queen, the contestants are household names. The people who are in the show are known around the world by kids going to school in junior high and elementary. Like my niece who is nine years old is obsessed, obsessed. And she's been obsessed for a couple of years where I got her you know, the maquette of Rue where she's holding the flags. I got her, you know, some signed dolls of RuPaul. I, you know, sent her the book and I give her like all the stuff because she's just obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race that she can't get enough of it. And I'm like, you're at the time, I remember she, it was a couple of years ago, she must have been six or seven. And I remember thinking, geez, she is, uh, 
you know, she's on her way to being able to accept everything in life. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand about RuPaul's Drag Race is the, the show, the core of it is about who says it at the end of every single episode. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? It's about self-love. It's about finding yourself. It's about appreciating yourself. It's about knowing that if you go out in the world and you're looking for acceptance or love or appreciation from anyone else, you ain't going to find it unless you find it at home in you. So I think people lose sight of the fact that RuPaul's Drag Race is such a, uh, a an uplifting celebration of life. And when people get lost in what someone said or what they did or, you know, who they made fun of on the show, they don't realize it's just drag queens making television <laughs> and fierce television that. <laughs> great television but then I would also say that I didn't really um understand how brave drag is and bear with me with this because I, I know brave gets thrown around a lot at the moment but a few years ago I was outside the Illamasqua store on Carnaby Street in um it's not on Carnaby Street anyway it's one of the other ones Beak Street I think in central London and there were drag queens outside I actually think Michelle was inside she was when she was doing her collaboration and I there was the most incredibly painted drag queen so I said do you mind if I have my picture taken with you and it's a busy street pre-covid everyone's drinking uh and someone yelled abuse at the queen and I and I was like excuse me and they were like leave it leave it and that was when I first really realized that like if I walk down the street and someone makes a comment about how I look I just pull my coat over and I put my head down and I keep going when you're in drag there is no hiding like no. you can get as much abuse and you and to see that drag queen stand tall and just have a nice evening boys I put some I connected some dots that I hadn't appreciated even from watching the show of how brave it is and how it really is saying this is who I am you don't necessarily need to accept it but this is who I am and I'm not going to dumb it down yeah, it's and we are, you know, people always said drag queens are like the cheerleaders of, of uh, you know, the gay community. And we're the ones who in, you know, look at, you know, look at, you know, Stonewall. There, there was a. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. A black trans woman who said, no, 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 no. We are not going to take this line down. We are, we want to be seen and heard. And, you know, that I, I feel that so many people have lost sight of that, that um, we have our freedom and we have our voices heard because of that. And that, that caused a ripple effect and chain of events that got us to be able to walk down the street in drag and say, no, 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 honey, it's fine. We're going to be okay. There are still people who cause bodily harm to people, regardless of their, their, their race, their sex, their gender, their, uh, sorry, sexual identity, their um, sexual orientation, the way they dress. They're just, there's always going to be that. And, you know, as a drag queen, you are kind of always looking with eyes on the back of your head or on your the back of your shoulders, kind of thinking, okay, it's, what's someone going to say? What's someone going to do? 
but you end up putting yourself in situations where you are not going to feel that way. And mm -hmm. uh, if you are outside of a makeup store and there's a crowd of people, of course you're going to be noticed because they're, everyone's there because they love makeup and they're going to see you and go, wow, you look fabulous. But to just brush it off and walk away is honestly the better thing to do. Getting caught up in it, and who wants to mess up your makeup in a fight? Not me. <laughs> Not I was thinking about the makeup. Well, actually, that's a good point in which to swerve back onto makeup, actually, because um, I said earlier, I can't remember if it was when we were recording or not, about how basically like people talk about Raven in the way that they talk about like big name makeup artists. And for a very long time, whenever anyone talks about drag makeup, I'm, I always say, oh, you know, well, Raven's the best, like pre even before you getting uh, the job with Rue, because I think it was either, either I heard Rue say it or I heard Mally Wong Cal say it. And so I thought, well, they know what they're talking about. So I'm just gonna go around and say Raven's the best <laughs> MUA. <laughs> well, I, you know, and I, I, I'm guessing it was one of them, but I will also take it from this Emma Guns because uh, why not? I would. It's it's nice to to have a passion for something and have people notice it and appreciate it, no matter what they do with life or they do. You know, you always want to be looked at, at by your peers as someone is. You know, oh, we kind of put you at the top of your thing, but to have uh, people in any type of. Uh, um, you know, profession or job, look at you and go, wow, I really like what you do. It makes you go, wow, okay, I guess I do a pretty good job here. Thank you. I, I, you know, like I said earlier, to me, makeup was what got me into drag. I really, I, I've always felt that drag is made up of 75% makeup. Everything else kind of is uh, accompaniment to the makeup because you have bald queens who have to have a face of makeup. You have queens that are, you know, nude or, or nude illusion or, or actually not wearing anything at all, but they still have to have a full face of makeup. Makeup is what makes up the queen and then everything else just kind of adds to it. So I like to spend my time doing my makeup and I like to step back and look at myself and go, oh my gosh, look what you did. And then there are times where I've been experimental and I go, oh my gosh, look what you just did. <laughs> don't go out and I've and I've done that before where I I had I remember calling my friend and I was like I can't come do the show this was years 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 ago and they were like why and I said I just I'm not gonna be able to make it and it was because I had experimented with some colors on my eyes and I remember going oh my gosh this is awful and me you know I've been deemed the beige 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 face beauty because I just created this very neutral palette so that I could add a little pop of color on the lips or the eyes and everything that I'm wearing would go along with it. But I remember that night playing with blues, greens, and purples on my eyes and I was so horrified at the way I looked that I just scrubbed it off and I said I couldn't make it. But I, lo I, love, I love makeup and I think makeup is fun and I think that it's so amazing to see how many people appreciate makeup now. How many makeup artists are out there? How many people are doing tutorials? How many people are, uh, you know, creating content to show the beauty of makeup and how much makeup there is now at our fingertips? You can go mm -hmm. anywhere. There's, a, you know, we over here, we have, you know, what's called a 7-Eleven. It's kind of like a Tesco Express over there. God love you. And you walk in and there's a huge makeup, Thing, right right when you walk in mm -hmm. like I'm not here to buy makeup I'm here to get you know some something some nibbles and, and a drink but they've got makeup because you may need a little lipstick or an eyeliner on your way out so it's just great to see that makeup has taken a seat at the forefront of society as knowing that and you may not be doing this for someone else you're doing this for you Oh, I feel better having a little mascara on. I feel nice having a little lip gloss on or a little pinch of color on my cheeks. So I think that there's always that, you know, you always hear from, from people when it comes to makeup, when it comes to plastic surgery, I can't believe they're, they're doing all that. I can't believe they have all that. They've done all that. But why not? If that's how you want to spend your money, go for it. Paint the 
hell out of your face and go out into the world and say, look, I did this for myself. I did this for you. I'm doing this because I, you know, I have this highlighter at home and I felt like highlighting my entire face. So do it. Yeah. But I, th- but I think there is an art with your, I, I do think you are an artist and I think you move the story forward. So when you think about makeup artists through, I don't know, the last few decades and you think about the ones whose names just instantly pop into your mind when you think about the greats, I do think that you have that, you're carving that place for yourself. And that's what I find really full circle moment for you because I feel like that's what you kind of on some level knew was coming for you when you were 30s on drag race yourself as a contestant it definitely felt like and maybe I got it wrong because it is tv it felt like you knew that you had it in you you just needed to kind of I don't know get there somehow Uh, you know I guess I did feel like I had it in me but I also feel like I need someone to assist me whether it's someone going, hey, we've got an idea for you. Hey, come and do this. Because I don't, I, I, I want to do what I love, but I sometimes, we, we, we as, as humans, we have self-doubt naturally. And you kind of feel like, oh, sh- should I do this? Should I not do this? So putting yourself out there, put yourself up for criticism and put yourself up for, you know, your own self-doubt. But I... I always, I I remember going to drag shows at a young age, younger age, and seeing that, uh, oh, this is how I would do that. Or this is Mm -hmm. how uh, I would put, you know, this, this shape on. And when I first started, it was, it was not, everything wasn't so carved out and uh, meticulous or placed the way it is now. It was kind of just get it on. I still took my time. But I just kind of threw it on there and I went and then slowly experimenting and going, oh, wow, I'm going to add a little more highlight under the cheek to make that pop. I'm going to make this nose look real skinny and then a little tip on the end. I'm going to carve that crease. So all of these little things that I added that I started to see more people saying, oh, I like the way that looks. I want to do that on myself. It was like, oh, my gosh, I I started to see it, you know, everywhere at least one or two queens in a show or, you know, self-tagged on, on uh, Facebook or uh, MySpace at the time. <laughs> it was, uh, it was crazy. And I, I just, I do feel that the makeup industry has taken note on drag makeup, period, mm-hmm. not but drag makeup. I feel that it's uh the, the, the highlighting, the contouring, the baking, the carving the crease, cutting the crease, cutting the cheek, outlining the lip, like all of that, it's drag makeup. It's all things that we've done for years that was looked at as, you know, clownish or, oh, it's too much, that now it's seen across the board. Any, was- any person who, who decides to get in makeup for the day is doing something that a drag queen does to get ready for work. and I guess a few years ago it really hit its peak like that kind of there were lots of women using drag techniques to feminize their faces which is kind of weird in a way yeah it's it's kind of full circle it's like hey if a if 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 a you know I I, I've got a I think a more of a masculine face uh what would be deemed masculine where I've got you know a large nose no real cheekbones kind of a bigger jaw if a man's taking this makeup and using it to to feminize their face then so can a woman who may not who may have the same features but so it's it's just that thing where i feel makeup has now made its mainstay in the human uh way of life for a day, on a daily basis that now everyone knows the effects of it and that it's not something that you should be shamed of or oh my gosh look at all that she's had it like Tammy Faye was ahead of her time she really I mean the the way she painted her I remember as a kid seeing her and thinking oh my gosh I love her and people would give her crap because of all of the mascara all of the blush the overlined lips but I loved it and I've always thought it was and the brows <laughs> yeah, I always thought it was so beautiful. And I've always liked that. And there, 
course you're going to look at certain people's makeup and go, oh gosh, I wouldn't have done that. But okay, good for her. <laughs> but I, I applaud people when I see them with a full face of makeup on, just living their life out in the world. And they, like, I, I remember back to a time going through a drive through to get some, some food and the girl at the window, she opened the window to hand us our food and she was highlighted. She had contour on, she had fake lashes on and she's working at a window in a, in a, a, a fast food place. And I remember one of the kids in the back seat goes, she's wearing all that to flip burgers. And I didn't really know them. They, they were with the person who had picked me up from the airport. And I remember thinking, what a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Like she, she's busting her butt here at this, you know, at this establishment, she makes her money. She goes and buys this product and she's wearing it because she looks good. And I remember thinking, screw you, dude. Mm-hmm. And, and I even told her, I said, you look gorgeous. Thank you. And she, and I, you know, she goes, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Because who cares where you're working or what you're doing? If you've got makeup and you want to wear it, wear it. Well, first of all, she understood the assignment. And second of all, she wants the world to see her a certain way. Like yeah. that's what makeup is, isn't it? Like I'm wearing a red lipstick for you tonight, Raven, because I want you to see me a certain way. Like that's why you have to compliment your friend's makeup. <laughs> and your skin is beautiful too, by the I way. I have a lot of lights on me. Thank you. It's the new Lisa Eldridge foundation, by the way. It's amazing. Well, it's your skin is glowing. It looks like you have nothing on. It looks natural. And, um, I, and I love that lip color. It's got a, I don't know if it's just the camera, but it's got like a pinkiness to it. Like a, a very bright. Yeah. Whatever you did, it's like the, the eyes, the, the skin and the lips are great. Cause and I always say, if you're going to go out and you don't have a lot of time or you just want to look, you know, a, like fresh face, mascara, a little bit of color on the cheek and a, a lip color. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know, depending on sleep, a little concealer under the eye, which I've got barely any. I've been like, we were talking, I've literally been get up, go take a nap, go. Uh, so you're in the uh, middle of a house move and you're in between lots and lots of shows. So, um, but I, but speaking of shows, you have something really exciting coming up because you are, I mean, tell me all about it because this is wonderful. Well, it's called painted with Raven and it premieres November 25th on WoW Presents Plus. I think it's the 26th for, for you over there, maybe. And yeah, we have to sleep on it and then we wake up the next morning and it's come to our screens. Okay, so November 26th on uh, WoW Presents Plus for you all over in the UK. It is, uh, what we did is we put together a competition where seven fabulous, I mean, they're all fabulous, makeup artists got to compete in their house. So whether they're in their bedroom, they're in their living room, they're in their bathroom, uh, they compete for $25,000. And they're given a challenge weekly where they get a box. They don't know what's in the box. And they open the box and they go, oh my gosh, uh, we're using this this week. And they have to incorporate that into their makeup. And they to see what different minds come up with is what's so fabulous about it and I remember when we came up with the themes I was like okay so I started getting all my looks together and thinking I'm going to do this for this and I'm going to do that for this and then so when we were having a creative talk uh they said well what are you doing and I said that I'm going to theme myself and they said no 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 you 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 need that's let them do that you need to just show up post look fabulous but don't yourself and I said oh, okay and I was kind of bummed but then I got it let them do it let them uh let them shine at this and you just kind of walk them through this and everything we've asked them to do is something I've done so every single challenge I I have had to rise to that uh occasion I didn't win money for it but I ended up doing it for you know a club gig but they all, they're from different parts of the country. I'm not sure if, you know, moving forward, we might do different parts of the world. But it's hard because you're doing it on a Zoom. Everyone has to, 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 to get on the, uh, the call at the same time. So it was, we had, you know, Portland and Seattle. And we also had 
New York and Maryland and West Virginia. So we had three hours difference between some of the contestants that uh, it was, uh, it was very interesting to see everyone get on at the same time and know, wait, what, where, where are you at? What time is it there? <laughs> and we spent, and I, and I was very adamant. You need to give them four hours. The minute we tell them go, I want them to have four hours. I don't want to ever skimp on that. I want to make sure that they have enough time to complete these tasks, whether they use it all or they don't. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want someone to feel like they're rushing. And there were times where they did there. I, it was, uh, I could hear in the, cause I never watched while they got ready. I sat and I, you know, I did other things because I wanted to be surprised. So when I see it, when everyone else sees it is when I got to see it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted my reaction to be right then and there. And there were some of them that I could hear them going, Oh my gosh, I'm not ready yet. Oh my gosh, I'm not done yet. And I got to watch the first episode. And I remember being in that moment mm -hmm. and thinking, Oh my gosh, these, they're, they're not going to be ready in time. It's not going to be able to happen, but they all, they all, they all rose to the occasion and they're all so fabulous and they're all so amazing and sweet and so talented. And it was hard to narrow it down because so many submissions that it was uh, not just myself, but there are other people who were looking and kind of helping to help mm -hmm. me. It's my first time doing this. I kind of, I don't, I don't help or assist, but I see a lot of these submissions for drag race. And I go, oh, she's fabulous. Or, uh, I, I don't know. But this was more of my word, me mm -hmm. saying, yes, I want them on the show. And that I give it up to them because when I had to learn from filming at home how to set up a backdrop and set up lighting and set up my camera and upload all of my uh, stuff, they all, they all did it. And it, looked, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. And I remember it, we filmed it so quickly. We got back from the UK filming uh, series three. And then we were getting ready to go right into season 14 over here. And they were like, oh, it, during your break, <laughs> you're going to film your own show. And I said, oh, okay. Okay. So it was, um, it was fun. The, and everything looks fabulous. The set looks fabulous. The, um, yeah. And Anastasia Beverly Hills, their, uh, their products are, they, thing is, is they, I remember when Anastasia started and I remember it just being brows and I remember it in, I worked in, in a department store and there was a little brow bar in the back of it where you would go and get your brows tweezed and shaped. And then they had uh, the tweezers, which I still think Anastasia's tweezers are the best tweezers out there. Um, they had tweezers, they had uh, stencils. They had pencils and brow powder. And now it's, uh, they've got, they're, they're baking powders. They have these baking powders that they come out with that are amazing. But one of their, my favorite products of theirs is their liquid lipsticks, which go on. You use it to, to draw and shape the lip, fill it in, and they wear all day. That's what I use on Rue for days when he's in drag because he's in it for 12, 14 hours and he can go throughout the whole day and you just touch up, you know, little parts from when he had lunch. But yeah, they're, they are the sponsor of the show. And I mean, it's their family. We wouldn't want it any other way. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's fabulous. Tell me what it's, tell me what it's like to, you said earlier about, um, you had all this uh, potential and this ambition, this want, but you kind of needed to be pointed in a direction. Talk to me about the fact that you're now the person who's guiding these young artists and you're the one who's kind of who's giving them direction how does that feel does that feel like a full circle moment it absolutely and I remember sitting there for the first time and going oh my gosh I'm welcoming people to the you know the, the show I'm welcoming people to their challenge I'm, I'm presenting the challenge so when Rue got there and we we discussed and we talked we deliberated then when it you know we talked about all of the stuff because you know he's the executive producer he was helping me out and i remember uh him saying you know you're going to be fine because i said oh my gosh i don't want to put i don't want to have to put someone in the bottom i don't want to have to put someone up for elimination he goes that's part of the job and after the first couple times it's going to hurt you you're going to you don't want to do it but 
you just start to go, okay, this is the way this has to go and you have to do it. So he talked me off the ledge of not wanting to do that part of it because, mm-hmm. you no, know, this is your job. This is what you have to do. So it was, it was very weird. And it was weird because I've always wanted to do something in this capacity, but for, you know, Rue and the executives at World of Wonder to sit me down and say, hey, we have this idea for you. What do you think? I said, oh, there was that little, you know, nudge or, or uh, you know, poke that I needed to say, this is what, this is what your next step in this thing called life is. If someone's listening to this, because I know we have a lot of listeners who are into beauty or in the beauty industry or are creators themselves. If you could give any words of wisdom to somebody who wants to really embark on a career in this industry, what would your wise words of wisdom be? I would say, do what you want to do. Don't do what someone else thinks you should do. Don't do what, uh, you know, other people in, in society or in the comment section think you should be doing. Do your own thing. So many people now want to follow a tutorial. And when they do a tutorial, they, are di- they dissect it and they, they do their, their makeup and they end up looking like someone else. And it's great to take tips and pointers from other people, but just take one or two things from someone and something from someone else. But do it the way you want to do it. If you want to wear blue lipstick every day and you want to outline the lip all the way up to your nose and the bottom of your chin, go for it. If that's your look, that's your thing. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily do it, but hey, some people may want. But it, I, I feel that too many people get locked into feeling they have to follow exactly the way someone else does it. And I think that the, the people who are, uh, you know, being spoken of or looked at or, or, or celebrated are the ones who go, no, 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 I'm doing it my way. This is the way I want to do it. And I say, go even with makeup, do it the way you want. Well, that's what I wanted. That's what I was trying to say about your artistry a little while ago. It's like, you weren't doing a version of something else. You were doing your thing. Like it yeah. was a, an, an, your own invention. Yes, there may have been inspirations. If you had to say there were, who were the people who really inspired you? Well, I always think back to, uh, you know, before the, the makeup craze took off, I was inspired by Pat McGrath is one of my top. She's, I, I, yeah, she, I was, my boyfriend said she had emailed and wanted to send me, uh, I have three boxes of makeup from her. She sent me everything like, yeah. And so I, she's like one of my top, I know I have it sitting right here. Like, Oh, David, I cover that. But yeah, she sent me three of these and I, I opened two of them and then I was like, Oh my gosh. And I haven't been able to get to the third. That was the one I haven't opened because the other two were demolished, (laughs) Ripped Uh, ripped apart. But Kevin Aquan, I remember looking at his books and thinking, oh, what is this? And that was what I wanted to get into was the transformative aspect. Beauty makeup's great. Everyone likes to feel pretty. But I wanted to get into the transformative way Bandy, Like all of these, these people who created certain things that went into the history of makeup that people reference back and go, oh, I want to do that type of an eye. I want to do this type of a lip. I want to do this type of a, uh, of a color or this... Uh, this feel for the, this photo shoot, this music video, this production, all of these people who uh, kind of said to themselves, no, I'm going to do it this way. And you may not like it, but you will eventually, and you will appreciate <laughs> what I've done. Actually, Kevin O'Connor's a great example because he, like you, I think, I remember watching the documentary and obviously I've got the book from the shelf behind me, the color-coded uh, shelf behind me, but it um, it was only in seeing the documentary you realized that even though he might have had Linda Evangelista in the chair, he kind of took out all of the dimension from her face and then put it back in, but hyper put it back in. So the face was even more, do you know what I mean? Like she's already an incredibly beautiful yeah. woman. Yeah, that was th- those were the things that I looked at where I saw, 
you know, in his first book, it was more, um, it, it, it was seeing someone like Linda or, or uh, you know, these women or, or men that you looked at and go, oh, they just look like a better version of themselves. And then, mm -hmm. then the second one where it was like, no, these are people that I have turned into other people. It, that was where, you know, and I remember talking to a, a couple of people years ago who would always reference that book and say, oh, yeah, when I do makeup, that's, I, I look at this photo. I don't look at the actual photo of the person. Like if I'm going to go do Cher, I look at, you know, his rendition of Cher in his book because mm -hmm. see where he's cut and carved and, and highlighted and molded this face with makeup to look like someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of makeup. It's so transformative and it's so, uh, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's a great way for you to feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go out into the world and this is what I'm presenting today. So if you want to go out looking like Cher, go like it. <laughs> Can I do the hair flick? Do it because we know how much everyone loves it. That when you go to Cher, you think, you know, you do that. Mm -hmm. And then you, you lick your lip, but we've been told that apparently she does not do that. But I, I, I came, I, I walked across past Cher once at uh, an event and I went, oh, oh my gosh, that's Cher. And I remember <laughs> at her and she was wearing this huge wig and she just had a wash. It looked like she took her finger and dipped it in orange eyeshadow and smeared it on her eye. And she just still looked so beautiful. And she's just that pretty that beautiful yeah. and then uh, you know people go oh well she spent all that money on well, good I'm glad she did mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I when I get to that point and it's not just Botox and injectables I hope to look the same <laughs> a full yank I would you know I I'm 42 and I'm I've started to use the, the facelift tape under my wigs but I would like to get a little mini lift or I've also thought about the PDO threads to just kind of pull everything back mm -hmm. um but then i'm scared of like one side coming undone and the other side staying it's <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> pinging when you're yeah. the drive-through didn't rue and because i listened to rue's podcast didn't rue actually stand in on a full facelift surgery yes he did he is obsessed with all of that he went and looked i think it was this dr dubrow from terry dubrow terry dubrow, terry dubrow from um botched. botched and he went and he said I said how did you do that because I I've actually passed out I I've woken up from television being on and it being on I think it was discovery or TLC and someone was getting a full facial uh like reconstruct and they had lifted this person's face off wow yeah and I woke up I saw it and I and I was like uh oh I'm gonna throw up and I stood up and I fell flat on my face I just passed out because I can't look at that and he goes oh I just uh, you know I was intrigued but he yeah and you know he we use the facelift tape on him too he's all about tightening and pulling back and trying to look you know as taut and as close to his birth age as possible <laughs> <laughs> our goal is our birth age and our birth weight <laughs> oh isn't it well listen look it has been such a joy to speak to you Raven and like I said you've been on my wish list for such a long time and I could talk to you for four hours more my dream is that one day we get to be in a makeup room together um so I'm going to put that on my wish list we're going to make for now but thank you thank you for uh chatting with me it was fabulous I've adored it um listeners I will put the links to Raven the show everything that we have discussed in the show notes but thank you Raven for joining me on the Emma Gunn show Yes, Painted with Raven, November 25th, Wow Presents Plus, or November 26th for everyone in the UK on Wow Presents Plus. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Ever Gun Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. 
If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.